Well, my name is uh, Simon Peter. And you've been inviting apostles and those who were there in the last week of Jesus' life to come here and give you their perspective. Well, I'm here to do that today. Uh, I was a fisherman, just a simple fisherman. My brother Andrew and I owned a 27-foot fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. We were partners with James and John. I think John was here last week to give you his perspective on Jesus' suffering and death. Andrew, my brother, was quite a fan of a prophet who was making the rounds in my day. His name was John. This John was calling people to repent, saying the Messiah is right around the corner, so the best way to prepare to meet him is to repent of your sin and, and be baptized as a demonstration of your purity. And Well, um, they called him John the Baptizer. One day, my brother Andrew was listening to this prophet speak, and uh, he pointed at another man and said, there he is. He was pointing at Jesus of Nazareth, and he was telling the crowd, that's the one. He's the one I've been telling you about. That's the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, Andrew listened to this Messiah all day long. He came home, and he told me about him. He said, you've got to come see this. This really is the Messiah. You've got to come here, Jesus of Nazareth. And so I did. And the strangest thing, I'd never met him before. But when we met, he immediately gave me a new name. He said, you're, you're Simon, but from now on you're going to be Petrus. Rock. The people around me who knew me laughed because I'm anything but like a rock. I, I vacillate easily. I open my mouth only to put my foot in it. But for some reason, the nickname stuck. I often wonder what my life would have been like if Andrew had not come home and told me, you've got to come see Jesus. Or if I had not gone. Because you see, he, he shapes every view of everything that I have. I have a perspective on Jesus because I saw him do many things. I was there when he turned 150 gallons of water at a wedding into the best wine any of us had ever tasted. That was in the fall. And then in the spring, he showed up on the beach and he asked to use my fishing boat to address the crowd, to put out a little bit and that way he could more easily address the crowd. And when he was done speaking to the crowd, he told us, now go out and let down the nets for a catch. Well, obviously this guy knew the Bible, but he didn't know fishing. Because you don't catch fish then, not where we were fishing. But we did anyway, and we caught so many fish, the nets began to break. That'll get the attention of a fisherman. And that's when we left everything and said, we'll follow you. A little while later, we were making our way across the Sea of Galilee in a boat in a storm. Sea of Galilee is about 
Uh, picture your Lake Mendota twice as wide and twice as long, about double the size of your Lake Mendota, only surrounded with a geography that, that makes for sudden storms uh, a, a norm. Oh, we got caught in one of these storms, and it was frightening. We thought we were going to die, and then we saw someone walking toward us on the water. We were sure it was a ghost, but it turns out it was this Jesus I hollered out to him, and is that you? He said, yeah, it's me. can I come to you? He said, yeah, sure. Walk. So I got out of the boat, and I walked on water, and it worked. I walked on water. As long as I kept my eyes on Jesus, I was fine. But as soon as I took my eyes off Jesus and started looking at all the trouble around me, I, well, I, I sank like a... Yeah, like a rock, like my name. Probably uh, the, the, the happiest conversation I had with Jesus occurred when, when he asked us, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? And we had a conversation about that. And then, then he said, what about you guys? What do you say? Who am I? And I spoke up for everybody and I said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And for once I got it right, and Jesus said, you're right, Peter, you're absolutely right. But then he reminded us, you didn't figure that out on your own. This was revealed to you by God himself. Well, that was probably the happiest day of my life. But that isn't why you asked me to come here. It's... Uh, you didn't ask for my perspective on the happiest conversation I had with Jesus. You, you want my perspective on the saddest conversation I had with Jesus. I'll tell you. Jesus was often telling us to do things. But it was always clear he was the one working behind the scenes to make it work. Here, disciples, take this little boy's lunch of a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish and pass it out to thousands of people to feed them. Well, it worked, but it wasn't because we were really doing anything. We all knew it was Jesus making that work. Cast the nets out on this side of the boat. You don't catch fish. Put them on this side of the boat and you catch fish. Well, obviously, we knew that was really Jesus making that work. Go make preparations for the Passover. And it all fell into place just like that. And we knew it really wasn't our preparations. It was Jesus had arranged all this to happen. And that night, that last Passover meal we had with him, Jesus said something we had never heard before. All of us had celebrated Passover often, but throughout our lives, and then for 1,400 years, since the time of Moses, my people celebrated Passover, but never had anybody heard anybody say what Jesus said that night. He said, this bread is my body. This wine is my blood for your forgiveness. Now we left that upper room and we went to a place that we called the Olive Press. You call it the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus was going to pray. He brought us along, a handful of us, 
And we thought, good, he's going to teach us to pray. We'd often ask him, teach us how to pray. He would often go off alone to pray, but occasionally he would bring us. So we thought, oh, good, we're going to get a lesson in prayer. But we fell asleep. Jesus' request was so simple, so easy. Just keep watch with me. Just pray with me and stay awake. And we didn't do any of them. It's so simple. The rock. And I couldn't stay awake. The one Paul described when he wrote later to a Galatian church, that Simon Peter, he's a pillar. <laughs> Some pillar. Couldn't even stay awake. Jesus was always giving to us. Even that last night in the upper room at the Lord's the, the Passover meal, he was giving to us. He gave us strength. He gave us encouragement. He gave us hope for the future. He gave us his own body and blood. He was always giving to us. And the one time when he asked to receive something from us, and all he asked for was, would you guys stay awake with me? The one time. We didn't do it. Jesus was always giving and we were receiving. And the one time Jesus wanted to receive, we had nothing to give him. The only one who gave him anything was an angel who showed up and strengthened him. You know, from there I watched him be crucified. I had seen other men crucified. I know it's a painful thing, a terrible thing. But Jesus' suffering was different. He wasn't just suffering physical pain. He was suffering with the sin and the guilt of all people of all time on his back. And then he died. But on Sunday, we heard a rumor that he was alive. We went running to the tomb. John was younger than me. He beat me to the tomb, but out of deference for my age, he waited. And I ran right by him and ran into the tomb. And there were Jesus' grave clothes, folded neatly, but no body. He was alive. We saw him later. We saw him several times later. Other people saw him. Jesus was alive. We knew it. Well, a few days went by and we hadn't seen him and didn't quite know what to do. And so I, I had mixed feelings because although I had seen Jesus alive, there was a conversation Jesus and I had not yet had. 
a conversation about how when Jesus was on trial, I denied even knowing him three times. He never brought that up. A conversation about how when all he asked me to do is stay awake, that horrible night of his life, I fell asleep. We didn't talk about those things. I had mixed feelings about seeing Jesus, so I went fishing. That's what you do when you're a fisherman. Found a little comfort in fishing. We'd fished all night. We were on our way back in. It was about dawn, and we saw a campfire on the beach. There was a man standing next to the campfire. He hollered out to us while we were still a ways off, Did you catch anything? We had to give the answer no fisherman ever wants to give. No. And he said, throw your nets on the other side. <laughs> we had a thought already. But when the nets came in so full that they were breaking and the boats were sinking, we knew who it was on the shore by the fire. It was Jesus. I jumped into the water and swam to shore to meet Jesus. The others dragged the nets and the boats ashore. And when they got there, we had, we had the best fish fry I've ever had with the risen Jesus. But I couldn't really enjoy the food. And Jesus said, Simon, let's go for a walk. And as we were walking along, he asked me, Simon, do you love me more than these other people do? <laughs> how, could, how could I use the word love to describe myself when I'd acted the way I'd acted? How could I use the word love to describe how I had acted toward Jesus. I couldn't use that word. So I said, Lord, you know that I care deeply for you. And he said, feed my lambs. And we kept walking. Pretty soon he asked again, Peter, do you love me? Use that word again. And I couldn't use that word. I said, Lord, you know that I care deeply for you. And Jesus said, well, then take care of my sheep. We walked on. And a third time, Jesus asked, Simon, do you care deeply for me? He used the word I had been using. He met me where I was. I said, Lord, you know that I care deeply for you. And he said, then feed my sheep. And it dawned on me three times I had denied even knowing Jesus when he was on trial. And now three times Jesus had given me the opportunity to confess my faith in him, my love for him, my way. That's just like Jesus, always giving. Well, I went on to be able to, to proclaim this risen Jesus to thousands of people. I became a, a leader in the early Christian church. Um, I even 
by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote two books of the Bible that you still have today. All because Jesus forgave me. He called me to follow him. And he allowed me to serve him. You might think I'm kind of different from you. 2,000 years ago, fishermen, all that. No, we're really not that different. Your perspective on Jesus is very similar. Jesus has forgiven you. Jesus has called you to follow him. And Jesus will use you in service to him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your giving ways, giving to us in ways that we could never pay back or give to you. We thank you that we just receive goodness from you. You have forgiven by your life and death. You've called us to follow you by your Spirit's work. And you've given us gifts by which we might spend all of our lives serving you. Bless us as we do. We join in Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.